And then we flew to San Francisco for the first time to pitch at a, a startup competition. And Zendesk launches Zendesk Voice. That's Christina Vonseca. She's the co-founder of TalkDesk, which has raised almost $500 million as of now. She's also the co-founder of Cleverly.ai, which Zendesk bought back in 2021. She goes under the hood, talks about her superpowers, what it was like to have Zendesk actually compete with her on the other side of the table before acquisition, and so much more. It's a great episode. You're going to learn a lot. Hey, welcome to Sit Down Startup Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, former founder and VC. I now work at Zendesk for Startups, where we offer six months free use of Zendesk for qualified high growth companies. Christina, I am super excited to have you here on Zendesk's Sit Down Startup Podcast. It's going to be amazing to hear your story about how, of course, Zendesk bought cleverly, but also your previous company, TalkDesk, uh, just learning your story, kind of zooming into those early growth days uh, at both companies is going to be a lot of fun. But if you want to first just share um, a highlight about what you built at TalkDesk for anyone who doesn't know, and then cleverly. Okay. Thank you so much, Adam. Like really a pleasure to be here. Um, So I'm Christina Fonseca. I'm currently a VP of product here at Zendesk after my company was acquired um, last year. So Cleverly was basically, we were were an intelligent layer on top of support platforms that would make operations way more efficient. Um, And we had a very strong machine learning component that was basically the secret sauce of everything. Um, So we were acquired a little bit longer than one year ago. And previously, actually, I worked my entire life in customer service. So I I started TalkDesk 2011, um, pretty much right after university. So TalkDesk is a cloud-based, it was the first like native cloud-based call center platform. Uh, Our initial tagline was, you can create a call center in five minutes. That was highly disruptive. Um, actually, we called it Zendesk for, for voice. No, like, uh, like it's like Zendesk for voice. That was the first tagline. Everyone used Zendesk at the time. It was just very obvious to explain. And then we flew to San Francisco for the first time to pitch at a, a startup uh, competition. And Zendesk launches Zendesk Voice. And we meet the Zendesk Voice people. And we were like, oh, like we're very sad. Like, how come? Um, yeah, so, so, but our journey uh, started with developing what was Zendesk for tickets, but for the voice space. And how big did that company grow to? Maybe how much money you raised uh, or how how many employees? Okay, so money-wise, more than 250 million, uh, if memory uh, uh, doesn't fail me. And we are around like more than 2,000 people right now uh, distributed between um, like, um, actually we have, little sales offices in, in lots of European um, and, and uh, US cities. Uh, but most of the development engineering um, product and science is still in Portugal. So that's like um, like a little bit more than half of the company. Um, and we have a strong presence in the US. I think actually like the reason why we became successful was, I mean, first of all, we were developing a product that really made sense and would allow every modern web company growing a lot to offer phone support to their customers like really, really easily. So we just became the default solution for all these modern companies to do phone support. Uh, Early days, we had like Dropbox, Fitbit, like Shopify, uh, lots of cool names that like their choice was to go with an old school like software provider or even telco and go with a modern startup that was like providing a solution that looked like uh, uh, everything that was needed on the cloud, super flexible, pay as you go, 
uh, um, like very easy to deal with seasonality uh, and offers all the cool features, like easy to configure self-service and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we like, as I was mentioning, uh, we were able, I think like big part of our success was not only the product and execution, like plays a big part in, in, in every startup, but the fact that we kept a strong base in, in, in the US, but we also kept a very strong base in Portugal and we were able mm-hmm. to take advantage of what's good in both uh, um, locations. That's going to be cool to dive into. Can you first just bring us to that moment? You just get to the US with TalkDesk. You're about to do a pitch to VCs and you find out that Zendesk has now launched a direct competitor with exactly what you're doing. What was that like? Well, it, it was hard, but uh, uh, so basically when when we went to the US for the first time, like we we were really trying to build a business. Like we didn't know the world of VCs that that, that well. So everything was 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 fairly new to us. And suddenly we were uh, being asked, like, how much money do you need to scale that? And for us, it's like, well, like, I've been working hard to develop products so I can get paying customers um, so I can make sure I have a business. And then, like, I think about the rest. Um, so the U.S. changed the perspective a little bit. Of course, we became, like, we called ourselves Zendesk for voice. So, like, that was a little bit of a shock. Um, but I think we were getting very, very positive feedback from the market. So that didn't stop us a minute mm. from keep developing and keep, uh, 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 like, um, like going. I love that. I've heard that so many times where it's, you get distracted and you almost have like the advisor persona at saying like, Hey, you should be aware of this, or you should be scared about this. But then when the customer's voice is still, Hey, we want this, this is great. Keep doing it. Like that should trump any other voices that are coming at you? Look, to me, the fact that there's uh, several companies in the same space, it just means that the opportunity is there and it's usually big. <laughs> it's confirmation. <laughs> if there's no exactly. competitors. It's, it's validation. Like, uh, 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 it's, it's good, especially when those companies are bigger than you uh, and they can spend a lot more money educating the markets. Um, I think education of the market uh, takes a lot of time and money sometimes, and it's rare to have like one company that can do that. So usually it needs to be like a joint effort. Um, so yeah, competitors are, are good. That's really good. Well, take us into one of the biggest growth stories that you had in the early days at TalkDesk after that meeting in San Francisco when you're trying to get investors. Um. Well, I mean, there's there's all sorts of of, of uh, crazy stories um, with TalkDesk. I mean, from like we had like a big customer that um, uh, needed to set up a call center for Christmas, like three months before, uh, and it was going to be all remote, and it was like such like a, a complex project, and they trusted. A super small startup we'd had like seven or eight people like we were seven or eight and we were supporting like a very well-known consumer brand to set up their call center between san francisco and and i think it was guatemala at the time um and like we made it like you know like it was a huge success and i mean like it just showed the potential of our solution and how like how the team was working hard, you know, like to, to make a name in the industry. I used to say to my team, look, if we go down, like the company can't just go bankrupt because if all these customers are 
trusting their phone lines on us so we can't absolutely fail. So I, I like, there were times, I mean, I would not sleep a lot because my life was a little bit of chaos. I was I used to do the Portugal shift and the San Francisco shift. Um, so I would not like hear the phone at night. So if my co-founder had to call me for some reason, uh, like some server had gone down, like there was like these alerts and you had to react, he would have to call my phone and wake up my family before like they, they, they could talk to me. Um, but I had to wake up people like middle of the night to fix something. Um, and we had this internal uh, rule of like in the early days, a customer should not wait for more than five minutes for a reply uh, because this is how we are going to build trust. Like mm -hmm. they don't know who we are. Um, we are a real time services company. So like we need to be robust and reliable. Um, and the way we are going to build trust is to be there for the customers. So mm. they know there will be a Christina like there to answer their questions, even if we don't know the answer, even if we need to investigate, even if something went wrong, acknowledging that and being quick in, in reacting um, will get us far. Yeah. So that for us was very, very important um, and something that I recommend to every single company to just be close to customers, like react quickly. Uh, and if you can use the five minute rule, then like, please do. It's, no, it's going to take you a long, a long way. That's amazing. Uh, can you zoom into how you sold that customer? Because I can only imagine that that was not easy. Uh, uh, honestly, like I think, um, and that's one of the biggest realizations. So I told you guys we started 2011. Cleverly, we started 2017, 18. Uh, like in less than 10 years, things changed fundamentally because the noise, the level of competition, uh, uh, like 10 years ago, if you'd start a business that would solve a meaningful problem, like somehow customers would come to you and you didn't have to put a lot of marketing dollars up front to attract customers. Um, I mean, like there, there are some, 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 some requirements that also change, like access to data, like uh, connecting to, to your core systems is now way more complex. So that needs to, like, you need to go through legal and, and, and security and compliance checks. But 10 years ago, like, if the product was relatively strong, like, customers would come to you somehow, right? And then it was a matter of you uh, working with them during the onboarding, like, being there for them. Uh, um, that was all in place. But until we were like more than a million ARR, we didn't invest anything in marketing, like anything. With Cleverly, completely different. You need to put like, you need to set up like sales from day one. You need to have like, you need to hire marketing people. Um, and, I, and, and I think that, like that shows how much the industry has changed. Attention span is very low. People like are flooded with requests of like the newest software that's going to change your life. Most likely it won't. So you, you like you stop paying attention and um, to, to sell something that like that can be life changing is very, very hard. On top of that, you cannot fail on the product side. UX, I mean, if you don't have top-notch UX, like who, who is going to, who is going to care even to look at what you're building? So Developing a business, I think, has become a lot more complex over the years. Um, and this last journey has been a little bit more uh, demanding from that side. And with Cleverly, we had to put up like a lot of different functions at the beginning that we didn't have at Talk Desk. 
yeah, you had to have it all ready to go in, in day one. What, what was one of the biggest growth things once you had it set up that made a difference? I'm curious in the new age. You mean new age or, or, or talk desk age? Good, good question. New age with Cleverly. Uh, what was one of the biggest growth stories that you had with them, you know, with that new approach? Yeah. So we, with Cleverly, uh, actually Cleverly, when we were acquired, we were like 15 people. So relatively small. Uh, we didn't, uh, uh, I mean, we were just ready to uh, uh, like put a little bit more gas on the go-to-market engine. Um, we like Cleverly was a deep tech company. So we started with the assumption of, we know customer service is highly inefficient. We've seen this problem before. Uh, all the machine learning companies for customer service were consultancy type companies. So solutions were very customized. I would speak with the customer, try to understand the needs and tweak a model or um, an algorithm for that specific customer. And this was not scalable. So with Cleverly, what we thought was, okay, like we believe there should be a scalable way. Let's try to understand if that's reality or not. So like we spent like a lot of time in the cave, like trying not to speak with the outside world, working with a couple of, of uh, customers very closely uh, to prove that we could build a scalable way of deploying machine learning to every single uh, um, company. Um, and we got to an approach that worked. Uh, so we were just ready to scale. So, I mean, like we didn't do like hyper growth. Uh, 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 we didn't have an hyper growth phase as we had with TalkFesk. For example, with TalkFesk, there was one year where we went from 30 people to 150. Uh, I can tell you, it was the most challenging year of my life. Mm. Um, and I was a little bit obsessed about making sure people had everything they needed to do a good job because mm. that becomes the challenge. Um, so we were process oriented and obsessed. Um, mm. For example, uh, at the beginning, we were very good in making sure our hiring process was robust. So we had things we would screen for. We had a little bit of a technical challenge for the different uh, uh, roles and functions we were hiring. Then we had a discussion in person uh, with, with, uh, with a team member and we knew exactly what we were scanning for. Like we were not scanning for like technical brilliance only. I mean, like we wanted good people, but we wanted people that would be team players. So mm. we would always force like a disagreement, you know, okay, we disagree on this. Like, okay, let's, 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 let's understand how we move forward. Um, and for example, that would be one of the most important things to, 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 to assess for, because at a startup, like what do you need to do is be just very good team players. And like, in order to find the right compromise, disagree on whatever you need to disagree on, but commit to a solution that allows you to move forward. Um, so uh, like process-wise, we try to put in place that onboarding. I remember like we built a super complete library of videos. Um, that library of videos became onboarding for the people that were joining and became an academy for our customers. So now there's a talk desk certification uh, that we built based on that library. But for example, like, I started that project with a small team and like, I remember, I mean, like, unless you're very good at aggregating the knowledge that we are creating like so rapidly and have like a source of truth for that, like how can we are going to scale? So our knowledge base, 
like uh, our 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 video library, uh, it was very robust, and there was a team like keeping that updated, um, like because okay. if people didn't have the knowledge, like then we would be them. I remember <laughs> there's these these instance where like I sit with um, a person that had just joined our customer success team. Like I love that person. Uh, but she asks me, like she opens a, a Zendesk ticket and she asks, and the customer is complaining, oh, I cannot hear, like the sound doesn't work. Like, and these were like very common problems to us. Um, and you hire like these super senior people that never had to do with telecom issues. Mm. So the person's like, Christina, this is not always like this, right? Like what did I get myself into? <laughs> and it was, so, um, Making sure people could get up to speed on the industry uh, 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 aspects. I mean, imagine yeah. you're in sales. You're like so many technical questions uh, uh, that customers can ask. Like, where are you going to find all that information? So you we, we yeah, yeah, exactly. We deliberately put a lot of effort in making sure people had good information available, and there were like a couple of initiatives to support that. Um, and that was key to make us go from 30 people to 150 in a chaotic way. But uh, 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 like it went well, like, look, it went well, yeah. like it was painful, but it was not, not that everything was out of control. Yeah. It didn't blow up in that way. That is a huge thing that it would be so easy to, to skip past and just keep hiring and, and not doing it in the scalable way. I know we're running into time. I was going to ask you just the last question. What would you say is your superpower as a founder? my superpower is being product obsessed. So I am absolutely obsessed by solving the customer problem. And that means if there's not a problem, that's the first thing we need to check. I mean, so I think lots of founders are trying to solve problems that are not really a problem. And I think that's very, very important. Um, but I think companies that succeed have at least a founder that's product obsessed. And I would say that's my superpower. Christina, this is amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Adam. It was really a pleasure. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you want to learn more about Zendesk for Startups and our free offer, please check out our website at zendesk.com startups.